How many know that Jesus is alive and well today? Amen. He is who he is. He's coming back for the church soon. We're to be ready. We don't have to understand it all to be ready. Isn't that good news? You just need to love Jesus, accept him. Realize he's the only way to heaven. He'll take care of you. It's all going to be fine. We're going to get to learn forever and forever. But we're still learning here. He said to seek first his kingdom. Paul wrote to Timothy, said to study yourself, approve. Well, he was speaking to a pastor, but I think that applies to Christians all over. Now we are to call to be studious of his word, be students, be learners. A disciple is a learner. I'm still learning. How about you? I'm still learning. I'm, good. I'm glad we can still learn. When we stop learning is when we get ourselves into trouble. And uh, sometimes we hear the similarities of verses, the similarity of passages, but I believe God's word is living and active. And though, though we maybe have heard it before, how many like to eat the same, sometimes the same hamburger every, every time you go out, right? Come on, come on, come on. You look over the menu and say, well, I'm not too sure about this. I'm not too sure about that. But I, I think this is what I'm going to like. So, and sometimes in Scripture, we kind of tend to go to gravitate to the uh, verses that we're familiar with. However, I encourage you to sometimes just force yourself to read through passages that you normally wouldn't do. I mean, take, for example, the book of Leviticus. I don't, I don't encourage you to start there if you've never read the Bible. Don't start the Leviticus. Start with John. So we're in John today, okay? And uh, we're actually preaching through, teaching through the, as a series. And I like expository preaching because it forces me to go through the verses. I, I otherwise would, I'm not too sure about this verse, so I'm not going to tackle that. But it forces me to think about it. forces me to pray about it. It forces me to, it stimulates, it, it stretches me. So we're in the seventh chapter of John. If you, you have your Bibles and some of you have your Bibles on your phones. And so I, I can't make judgments. Well, he's on his phone. What is he doing? Look at what he's doing over there. He's just sitting there staring at his phone. He's texting people. I know he's texting people. You know, that's Patrick get these ideas. But you, we see everything out there, by the way. We see everything. You know, you guys are great people. Hey, just love to have people here. Um, God has given us uh, 20, 21 years here in this community. God has called my wife and I. And my, my boys were just little fellows when they came. We didn't have any girls. And uh, well, while we were here, we had girls. So our four kids are uh, 20, 20, 27. Is that right, Levi? Cody's 27. Is he really 27? Oh, my, 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 my. I was 27 when I got married. So now I have a son that's 27. And then uh, Levi, I won't, I won't tell your age. You're only a year and a half or so. Then it's uh, Emily, and she's, she's our traveler really travels. She goes on mission trips, she goes to Poland, she goes to Italy, wherever she can find a bus that'll take her, an airplane. Whoever will give her some money, she'll go, okay? And she has a heart to travel, and she's, she's been doing that, and she's, um, she's traveling back home for one day and then going somewhere else. That's just what she does. But Anna was on the on worship uh, piano, and uh, blessing to have her here with us, too. Help me, help us, and we're in joy. So we'll title this message, He Who Believes. He Who Believes. 
Father, we thank you. Your word is quick and powerful. It is the word that helps us keep balance, keep focus, foundation, that directs our paths. Your, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And though the world is changing and different, so many things are uh, coming, so much is changing so fast. I'm so glad that there's, there's something that we can hang on, an anchor, that is Jesus Christ, the solid rock in whom we can stand. And may our hearts be open to your word and understand it by the help of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you want to hear a, um, you're going to be here this Wednesday, right? If you want to hear really a, a teacher, <laughs> Vern over here has, has, he's talking about the festivals of Israel. Deep stuff, but he brings out things that are just, I've never heard anyone teach on the festivals of, of Israel ever. And I've been around this, I mean, we alluded to it, but he digs some stuff out. And uh, by the way, verse 1 mentions one of those festivals. I believe I'm going to get this right now. Correct me, Vern, if I... There's like three main festivals, and one of them is the festivals of Booth, Booth festivals of Tabernacle. And Jesus is on the earth at this time. And verse 1, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, or he was uh, unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. I don't know about you, but Jesus had a lot of common sense, right? (laughs) Think about it. We're not going to go there. They're going to kill me. It's not my time yet to go, right? It's not Jesus. And by the way, Jesus gave his life. When it was time, Jesus was willing to let them take his life. But he had all the power, all the wisdom to escape. And he did it several times. He'd slip out of the crowd. He'd escape from the the riots. And so now the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booth, I mentioned, was at hand. So what they would do was they would, when they came out of uh, Egypt, and because they were in haste and they lived... Uh, basically in the wilderness as they went, they would put together these temporary shelters. A booth was made out of probably palm leaves or willow branches, sort of like when you were a kid growing up. Did anybody build forts? Yeah, yeah. I like them old-fashioned ways. And they build a fort. They build a small dwelling. And what, what is this all about? It's to remind the generations next coming up, this is what we did. This is how we live. For seven, uh, I believe it was seven days that they celebrated this feast. So there was a lot of people in town. There was a lot of folks showing up to this thing. And his brothers, Jesus had brothers. Jesus had brothers that were his earthly brothers, okay? So he was born to Joseph and Mary. Uh, Jesus maintained his deity, but yet he was human. Um, his brothers are asking him, are basically wondering if he's going to go to the festival. So verse 3, his brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea, your, that, your disciple, that your disciples also may behold, behold your works which you are doing. In other words, he's saying, why don't you go show up, Jesus? 
you have an opportunity. Jesus doesn't just do things to show off. He does things because of his compassion. He does things because he cares about people. And though it may be appealing, and very much so there was a crowd that was following Jesus at this time because they saw how he multiplied a little boy's lunch of small fish and loaves. And they were amazed by that. They were not only amazed by that, they got to eat the food. They had a free lunch that day. And some of them were following Jesus. When no one does anything in secret, when he himself seeks to be known publicly, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brother, I want you to notice, for not even his brothers were believing in him. But not even his brothers were believing in him. Jesus therefore said, my time is not yet come or at hand. But your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Interesting. We hear this in our culture. They hate people. They're haters. They're haters. They say something that isn't politically correct. We're living with this now. Listen, Jesus sometimes offended people. But he only did it because he loved them. He wanted them to know the truth. He never intended to offend them. He doesn't intend to make people feel guilty or feel people, make people feel bad for their life. Jesus comes to open our hearts to the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How many want to know truth? How many want to know in a world that's confused and we're not sure what truth is? God's word is the truth. In fact, we're going to get, we, we got, last chapter, Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. The bread of life is his word. The bread of life is Jesus himself. Because in the beginning was the word, right? John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. And so we never, he never changes. The word remains the same. And so he comes to give us himself, and we're going to look into that. So number one, God is always uh, has a timing. The Lord has timing. How many, how many know that the Lord has appointed appointments for us? There's one appointment that, that if the Lord tarries that we're going, to, we're going to be at is that the Lord, when he calls us home, is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes the judgment. But I'm glad that I can know that I'm going to be ready to meet the Lord through Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I, I can know that I won't be thrown away from him because I've accepted Jesus Christ. And Jesus has died for my sins. And when I recognize my sin, I know that he has paid the price. And I must be willing to walk with him. God has a plan. Satan wants to thwart it. What's that word thwart? God has a plan. Satan has always been messing with God's plan. Satan began to mess with it early on in the Garden of Eden. 
Satan began to convince Adam and Eve that, you know what, God didn't really mean what he said when you eat of that fruit that you'll die. He just doesn't want you to know everything. Right? He, he messed with man's mind. And he convinced Eve to partake and give to him. Adam went along with it. What the enemy has done to us, Jesus has come back to restore our broken relationship with our God because of the sin problem, because of one man's sin, the Bible says, we've all sinned. I cannot help being born in sin. I cannot help myself. So therefore, Jesus has made a way for us. God had his timing when God sent his son into the world. The Bible says that at the right time he sent him. He sent him when the crucifixion was popular amongst the Romans. Jesus came when it was not easy. But he came willingly because he wanted you and I to be with him forever and forever in his heaven. So Jesus holds back for a bit. Rather than going along with his brothers, he knew what they were up to. He knew exactly what they were thinking. And Jesus holds back, but he does come to this uh, festival. And multitudes were grumbling, verse 32. They were grumbling amongst the multitudes concerning him since they were saying he's a good, some were saying he was a good man. Some were saying that he, others were saying that no, he's on the con- he leads others astray. He's, he's false. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. So there's just kind of this mumbling and grumbling and this kind of a hush amongst you. Don't want to get stirred up because the officials are going to, they're going to hurt us if we take a stand. The Jews were marveling, verse 15, how has this man become learned having never been educated. Something was different about Jesus. When Jesus spoke, lives begin to be touched. Something happened when Jesus began to talk. People began to notice there's something this man has to say. How could he be speaking what he's speaking, having never been educated? How many know the help of the Holy Spirit helps us? To know the truth. In the Gospel of 1 John, he says that we have this helper, the Holy Spirit, who helps us understand. Jesus described later before his crucifixion that when he leaves, he's going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into the truth. He will guide us into the right path. And so Jesus had his timing. Jesus has his timing for you and I to come to him. Jesus says, today is the day. He says, every day is an opportunity for people to come to me. Every day that Jesus waits to come back for his church is another day that more people come to him. And so God is not willing that any should perish. We wonder how long can he wait? How long is it going to be, Lord? Our focus needs to be in rather, oh, Lord, help me to reach other people for you. He'll take care of the end. You'll take care of all the details. And so God begins, the Lord himself begins to move on into this festival. 
and beginning down further down in here we, we see him beginning to teach he begins to talk in the temple he begins to describe to them you see the, the crowd was upset the officials the leaders were upset because he healed somebody on the sabbath remember the story of the pool of the Bethesda, when the angel stirred the water, and whoever got in first got healed. And the man was saying, how can I? And Jesus asked him, how, what, do you want to be healed? It really seems like, why would you ask a man that's waiting for the, get into the water, do you want to be healed? But I think Jesus was looking for faith. Do you believe that I can heal you? And so Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And so the crowd is upset that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were upset. In verse 19, Jesus begins to give comparison. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carried out that law? Why do you seek to kill me? Wow, that's a strong statement. The multitude answered, you have a demon. That's really a strong statement. Now they're accusing Jesus of being demon-possessed. And this demon seeks to kill you. Jesus answered and said to them, I did one deed and you all marvel. On this account, Moses has given you circumcision and begins to talk about the covenant of the circumcision which really started with Abraham. So there were really, there was this conflict. You see, when we get religious, we start getting at each other. We start to aim our, ourselves and say, compare ourselves and begin to justify ourselves becoming religious in a sort of a way of working our way. If I do this exactly the way God said it, then for sure I will be ready for heaven. Listen, there's no way I can live good enough, good enough to be able to be good enough to get into heaven. I can no way by my works make it to heaven. The good news is Jesus has paid the price. Jesus himself said these guys can't do it on their own. So therefore, the Lord himself became flesh, became dwell, he dwelt among us. He comes down to live in our shoes, so to speak. He comes down to live in our world. The God of all gods comes down to take on flesh. And humanity, he knows every temptation. He has had every temptation, yet without sin. And that's the God in whom we serve. He resisted the devil. Early on in his ministry, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be faced by the devil, tempted by the devil, to somehow give up his kingdom. If you'll... If you worship me, Satan says, you'll get all of this. Oh, what a, what, a, what, a, what a misconception. The enemy wants to convince us that only what satisfies you is the greatest way to live. Jesus says, when you die to yourself, you will, lie, you will live. Jesus says, when you serve other people, you will be happier than having everyone serve you. Jesus says to us that when you walk in his ways, you will 
no doubt be persecuted. You will no doubt uh, receive sometimes conflict and you'll be uh, sort of persecuted by other people, what they think of you, what they say to you, what they're doing to many Christians around the world. But look up, he says, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. We serve a Lord that is always going to do what he says. And though I may not see all of it right now, the day will come and he will reveal himself to us. God has a timing for us. God has a place for us. And that place is to be with him in relationship with him. And that place is to be surrendered to him. And that place is to understand who he is at the words that come from his heart that we know is the Bible, that we know is the word of God, but we know it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that helps us to walk out and to live out the life that he has for us. There is a way in which we ought to walk. It's a better way. And Jesus describes to these people that he was basically telling them what they were trying to accomplish in their flesh, what they were accomplishing in their self was not the right path. And verse 28, therefore Jesus cried out to the, in the temple teaching and saying, you both know me and, uh, and know and I am from where I'm from and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. I know him because I am from him and he sent me. What he was declaring, he was from his father. He was declaring to them that he was from heaven. And many of these people did not receive that. And many of them left and quit following him. Listen. We used to sing this little chorus. No, though none will follow, still, though none come with me, still I will follow. Remember that? The cross before me, the world behind me. I'm so glad for young people today that are taking a stand. I'm so glad today for moms and dads who care about their kids, who are helping them, teaching them. I'm so glad today that there are people who give to help support young people go to camp where they can get help and encouragement. I'm glad today for missionaries that are stepping up Young missionaries are going to hard places, going to a place where they have to learn their language, and they eat their food. It may not be what you're used to. And they go to a place where, you know, maybe nothing's happening seemingly, but because they're convinced that God has called them, they're going to go there and they're going to do what God has called them to do. And they're going to preach the word. They're going to teach. They're going to build relationship. They're going to build bridges into their people's lives. And they somehow earn the right to be heard. And they somehow are learning the way, their, their culture. So they learn how they think. Jesus did that. Jesus did that for us. He's still the greatest missionary that ever lived. And he gave up himself. And now at the last day of the feast, what we know of the festival booths, Jesus begins to draw the attention to something very simple. 
Yet so very profound at verse 27. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, the Spirit was not yet given. Is it any wonder the Pharisees weren't getting it? The Spirit has been given now. In order for us to understand truth, the Holy Spirit helps us. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces people of Jesus. You see, sometimes we hear two, two trains of thoughts in our, voice, in our mind. One that is, you know, this is, what, this is the right path. This is what you need to do. This is, this is, what, this is God's way. And then there's just like the enemy over here pulling, nah. Don't listen to that. Just do it. Do your own thing. Do it your way. The same enemy that is facing us. But the Bible has good news for us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, God has more power than Satan. Satan knows his days are numbered, that he will be put away of a thousand years, and then he'll be let loose for a bit. And then he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire forever and forever. God's word says that we can escape the judgment. God's word says that we will escape the wrath of God when we come to Jesus Christ now. If any man is thirsty, though we realize it or not, when we are born into this life, we are born thirsty. We are born with the, the, the appetite. We are born with this, not only a physical appetite, which is a good thing, but we're born with this spiritual appetite that cannot be quenched with anything in the world other than the quenching that comes through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. When God the Holy Spirit comes into our heart, when we receive Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit begins to live inside of you. And the Bible actually says your body, Paul said it to the Corinthians, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when he was addressing sins of the flesh, of immorality of every kind, he was saying, don't live that way. God has a better plan. And Jesus is crying. It reflects, if you want to compare that portion of Scripture, read Isaiah 55, 1 on down about five or six verses in the prophet Isaiah something say he says very similar, whoa, whoa, every man who is thirsty. He invites him to come. You don't have to have a bundle of money for this. You don't have to have a bunch of, uh, well, I, I have, I've done this right, I've done this right, I've done this right. You don't have to have any. Listen, come as you are. You don't have to know all the answers. You just have to be thirsty.
thirsty for him. He is a living water. See, part of the reason, well, actually the first reason why we celebrate communion, because Jesus commanded us to do that. And communion, really what it is, it's doing something physical that we receive. We're, we're symbolically receiving the Lord. We're recognizing his, his broken body. We're recognizing his shed blood for you and I. And Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, do this as often as you drink. Do this in remembrance of me. And also, he said, you celebrate it until the Lord's return. You're going to celebrate it until the Lord comes.